Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Light Reading's Ian Morris about Ericsson's second quarter earnings report and why the company's share price took a hit despite a fairly solid quarter. All right, Ian, thanks for joining me on What's the Story? How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Kelsey. How are you? Good. Uh, So you just covered the uh, Ericsson's um, earnings. Can you give us an update on uh, some of the highlights from that? Yeah, I can. Um, I mean, they came out this morning and and I was a bit surprised to see the share price went down a lot when they were published. So I think they opened about 11.5% down, um, which is a big drop. Uh, and they're, they're currently, I just checked now, actually, they're currently down about 9%, which is normally the kind of thing that happens when, you know, they have one of these bad news items, like they're being investigated for some of their activities in Iraq, where there were various wrongdoings going on. And, you know, they've, they've had to sort of try and, a lot of it's to do with things that were happening, obviously, before current management, but it's been quite embarrassing for them. And there's still this risk of, of fines by the US Department of Justice, you know, so, so whenever you see that kind of share price movement, you think it's something like that, or maybe there's been some big upset in a particular market. You know, they lost a deal in the US or something. And and yet their results are really, really strong. I mean, their their sales are up 5%, I think, on a kind of constant currency basis. Uh, netting comes up almost a fifth. Um, you know, they've got a lot of net cash. Um, and it all seems to be sparked. I mean, if you if you sort of look at what's going on, it all seems to be sparked by a, a, a miss on core profitability. Basically, you know, they they they've gross margins sort of down one percentage point compared with this time last year um, because costs are rising. So they're not they're obviously not immune to the, the supply chain pressures that we see a lot of you know a lot of a lot of equipment companies complaining about at the moment and. And it's sort of eaten into margins a bit. But I mean, to me, the market really has overreacted. It's almost, it's it's a little bit hard to, to rationalize from my perspective. I don't know. And, and and certainly from someone who tracks Ericsson quite closely, I've been writing about them for a long time now, I would say they seem to have done quite a good job, I think, on mm-hmm. supply chain diversification, I guess, or having kind of dual supply, you know, dual vendors in place and having alternatives. And you know, I was able to speak with um, Frederick Yedling earlier, who's the guy in charge of the the networks business, which is their main, you know, their main main unit, if you like. And he said this this kind of dates back actually to 2016, 2017, 2018. You know, when they were noticing um, US US clampdown, I guess, on Chinese vendors, companies like ZTE getting put onto the entity list, and Huawei was coming under investigation. And and right back then they were thinking, well, this could result in problems in China. You know, you could see some kind of retaliation, and maybe we need to start making plans for this geopolitically. So you've you've seen over the last few de- years they've made quite a big deal about having factories, for instance, in the U.S. where they can produce U.S. gear, and you know, making sure they're not overly overly reliant on one supplier, one component supplier. And they just seem to have done a really good job compared with some other companies, I think of, of making sure they're in a position where, yeah, they're not immune. They're obviously having some issues. They're not immune from the components crunch, but they, they seem to be faring better than, than some of the competitors. I mean, if you look at both Cisco, I think, and 
um, Nokia. I mean, Nokia is obviously very much in the same game, Cisco less so, but Nokia hasn't reported second quarter earnings yet. But when it did, um, when it updated on its first quarter results, they were complaining specifically about mobile sales and not being able to sell as much as they wanted to because of supply chain pressure and and sort of blaming a, a sales drop on that. Whereas, you know, Ericsson says we've not seen anything like that. We've been able to deliver to the quantities demanded. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I have a fairly positive take on them. I mean, maybe maybe there's a concern about you know inflation going up. You know, a lot of their customers are obviously thinking about cost cutting. Um, we're at the we're at the receiving end of all that. The end consumer, I guess, is the big concern because if people like you and me, Kelsey, say mm-hmm. we're going to downgrade our plans or we're not going to spend as much right. on our on our mobile in future, then that directly has an impact on the operators and they start to think about how they can trim costs and and maybe maybe some of the of the share price drop is driven by concern there as well as what's happening on the supply chain front. But I think if you look at where vendors have you know where the telecom sector has been in earlier recessions and in earlier sort of turbulent periods they've always done quite well i think compared with other mm-hmm. sectors i think it's quite hard for operators certainly in, in within europe anyway i think it's so competitive that it's quite hard for them to cut equipment spending easily and they're always going to be concerned about the implications of doing that and you know they're, they're, i think they're likely to sort of look at um at staff costs perhaps let's say as, as a way of sort of you know defending margins perhaps mm-hmm do you have any thoughts on, um, you know, it, it sounds like Ericsson is kind of doing all the right things or, or what's possible uh, to maintain profits. Any thoughts on why investors are still kind of grumpy about it? Or do the analysts have any insights on that? Yeah, I mean, I, there's probably still some concern, I think, about the um, the Iraq exposure, you know, maybe mm-hmm. some of that baked in. It's not, I, I, there wasn't any update on that today. It's still sort of ongoing. They have this... Um, investigation that could eventually lead to another fine by the Department of Justice and you know, if you cast your mind back a couple of years they were fined I think a billion for other other things that were going on in other parts of the world they've obviously had some issues with corporate compliance in the past and with mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's, it's what it was is, is sort of former employees who've obviously now been sacked and are no longer with the company, but people sort of bribing government officials to get deals and this kind of thing. And the Iraq one's really embarrassing because what they were doing was um, possibly paying money to use roads to sort of get, get equipment around Iraq and avoid normal routes. And they can't be sure that some of this money didn't end up in the pockets of, of ISIS, right. which is which is obviously not what um, any any company wants to wants to be uh, associated with so it's quite, yeah, exactly. quite embarrassing for the ceo who's sort of coming after a lot a lot of this has happened really i don't you know it's it's an embarrassment for him to have to deal with it and and we don't really know where it's going to end up so maybe there's maybe there's still some concern there the other thing it could do is affect the so one of the one of the big moves they've made is to try and buy vonage um which is basically a um communications company very very big in the api space really if you think about companies like twilio they have a sort of uh comparable business to that and people are a bit dubious about the takeover anyway i think i mean ericsson's positioned it as a way to some sort of profit from apis and um you know as, as kind of tied it very much to its sort of enterprise strategy um a way of sort of making it easier for you know for some of the application developers to write uh, apps for 5G networks that could then be sort of rolled out uh, across lots of you know across lots of operators sort of systems and 
um, you know, if that if that works out as planned, it could be a big opportunity for them. But you talk to a lot of analysts who are a bit dubious about whether that's very doable. I think you know how easy how easy it is for some of these people who've who've written sort of Vonage APIs to sort of pivot to this five G enterprise use case um, opportunity. Um, and what um, I think one of the concerns anyway is whether that Vonage deal is sort of in jeopardy because of the US investigations. Obviously, a US mm-hmm. company. There seems to be a slight risk that you know that there might be a move to block it maybe and it's certainly been held up longer than they'd hoped i mean i think they would they'd hope to complete the deal by now and they're now saying by the end of this month so mm-hmm. there might still be a bit of concern there you know and then i, I just think wider ge- geopolitical and sort of economic concerns perhaps you know it's not you know we're not in the best situation at the moment in terms of lots of things that have been going on right. um, mm-hmm. and you know when people start to think about the, the level that inflation's at and the possibility of a recession, which often comes after, you know, inflationary periods, then there would be some knock-on effect. So it'd be, it'd be sort of interesting to see what happens maybe when Nokia reports next week, I think, um, you know, to see if there's a similar thing that happens in the market. I mean, you look at the, you look at a lot of, you look at the big tech companies, for instance, at the moment, you look at their share price movements this, this year and they're all down, you know, they're all, they're all sort of down in the last few months it's it's not as though ericsson's um unique but it just it just stood out as a as a particularly odd drop to me this 11 percent, and as i say i think it's still nine percent now it, it seemed like a bit of a market overreaction from my my perspective certainly mm-hmm. yeah and, and maybe people were just continuing to expect things to go wrong with um you know their uh kind of big ding to their reputation i'm sure they've still got yeah. some time to to overcome that as well um, well i think that's yeah. i mean one of the nice things actually and talking about the reputation side of things is they um and this wasn't mentioned in the earnings report but it came out on the call is just how much their market shares improved in mm-hmm. the last years you know they they, they have this um, guy who's running the company now called Boya echo and that's probably not how you pronounce it if you're swedish but uh, <laughs> but uh, and he came in at the beginning of 2017, um, very much from the sort of investor background, not knowing a huge amount about telecom. Uh, Ericsson wasn't in a good position at all then. It had basically grown. It was bloated. It had moved into media. Um, it had sort of lost its focus, really, I think. You know, they cut R&D spending. Um, and they were they were basically losing a lot of business to Huawei, um, to the you know Chinese competition. And his what he basically said he was going to do was sell off a lot of these assets, um, trim headcount, you know, which you which you do sort of partly by getting rid of those assets anyway, and really sort of double down on five G and make five G Ericsson's thing, you know, try and make them the best five G vendor in in the world. And it, you know they they came on the call today and, and basically gave their market so outside China because obviously the Chinese market is one where Western vendors aren't really aren't really playing a big role in that generally now but if you look at everywhere else in the world they claim they now claim to have a market share in the radio access network market of 39 percent ericsson wow. yeah it's that's huge from, <laughs> it's big yeah it's bigger than i thought and it's up from 33 percent when he took it so six percentage points is yeah a lot in terms of a market share improvement it's like basically a little bit more than one percent every year which they did set as a, as a target they wanted to do that but it's it's quite impressive they've done that and and um, Frederick Yedling was saying that you know their biggest company now basically outside China, uh, which is interesting because I think if you went back a decade then Huawei was you know regarded as the the world's biggest kind of communications you know service provider supplier 
Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's just a very different world, I guess. There, there, there's been a geopolitical pushback against them. Um, Nokia, which is the other big player in this mix, has run into some difficulties with its 5G product set, which has obviously helped Ericsson. And Ericsson's just done a really, really good job, I think. I think you have to give them credit of, of, of sort of turning around the, the networks business and making it really strong and competitive. So, so I mean, that's why I, I sort of look at them and I feel, you know, kind of optimistic in a way because you, mm-hmm. you, companies will continue investing in 5G. You look at all the analyst reports and you look at forecast number of subscriptions and you look at, you know, what companies like Omdi, our sister company for us and Del Oro are saying about spending. And it's, you know, it's there's going to be a lot of money still spent on 5G and they're, they're sort of in the hot seat, really. So, um, so overall, I think they're in, you know, they're in a pretty good position. Yeah. Well, thanks. That's really helpful to have that uh, kind of broader perspective versus just sometimes it's easy to narrow in on, on one quarter, but um, you know, seeing the the bigger perspective there. So thanks Ian for, for the update and uh, look forward to having you on again soon. Great. Thanks Kelsey. Thank you so much, Ian, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our wonderful producer, Pierre Landriot, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.